0: zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. It's the Disruption Zone, very special, news-timely, newsworthy episode today. We've got Senator Rand Paul. He was on the Senate floor the other night before the big stimulus, porkulus package, condemning it and condemning the Republicans who passed it. He said they lost their soul. I love it. It was a fantastic speech, and we're going to talk to him about that speech and the stimulus package and how we should reopen the economy right now. But first, uh, big thanks to Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, our sponsor. 6200 hit lane in louisville right on the border of louisville and odom county these are the folks if you want to change the way you live in your home and that is what your kitchen does it dictates how you live in your home because it's such an important part your heart the health of your heart dictates how your quality of life is right if you have an unhealthy heart it's hard to get up and down steps but if you have a strong heart it's vibrant right the kitchen is the heart of your home. Think of it as that important organ, right? And if you're somebody who loves to cook like me, spend a lot of time in the kitchen, it's super important. It is the heart. It's where it thrives. So when you update your kitchen, it changes everything about your home. And we experienced that firsthand with Louisville Cabinets and Countertops because they upgraded our kitchen for us when we lived in Crestwood. I'm confident it's the reason the house sold in like less than a day. Um, but at the same time, the years that we had it, that we lived there and enjoyed it, it really made that space so much better. And it was great. I loved to entertain. We'd have friends over and family over, and they were always like, man, your kitchen's beautiful. And I'd be like, yeah, it's my buddy. Louisville Cat with the doing a good job. They also did our master bath for us. So I encourage you to stop by the showroom and see what they've got at 6200 Hit Lane. Uh, if you're in Southern Indiana, Louisville, or Odom County, this is your place. Go see George Kelly, Michelle. They will take good care of you. They're the designers, and they'll help you. Like if you want to just do a turnkey kitchen remodel and just like let them do everything, uh, and just kind of point them in the direction you want to go design-wise, they'll help you with that. Now, if you're a contractor or a do-it-yourselfer and you got all your plans in place, you just need some cabinets. They've got high quality, high quality cabinets in stock, ready to go, so you can do that as well. So they've got you covered, regardless. Of the scope and size of your project. Okay? Louisville Cabinets and Countertops.com. Give them a call at 502 930 3304 or just stop by the showroom and say, Hey, I was talking to Lee Londo on the uh, Disruption Zone podcast and he said I needed to come see y'all and what y'all have. Okay, there you go. So big thanks to them. I appreciate it. And now let's jump right into our conversation with the great and powerful Senator Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul on the line with us. He gave an impassioned speech before the uh, Senate vote on the uh, stimulus bill, the Porkulus 3.0, or I don't even know. I'm lost at how much pork we've thrown around. But the bottom line is, Senator Paul is with us now. Senator, I, I told the taxpayers on my Twitter, I said you are you are a $600 afterthought to a trillion dollar lobbyist's payday. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more I mean we shovel the money out the door we send it to foreign countries I've been saying for a year the reason we can't fix that bridge up in northern Kentucky that goes across the Ohio River is because we're busy fixing bridges and roads in Pakistan, but it's worse than that. I mean, the latest report, we're paying for gender studies in Pakistan now. So, I mean, you name it, uh, all around the world, we've got money to give other people, but we don't have enough money to take care of our own problems.
0: Well, if uh, the president vetoes the bill, the one thing I'm going to be most sad about losing is that apparently y'all earmarked a bunch of money so that you can teach us dumb Americans not to set our uh, full lawnmower gas cans next to an open flame. And if that goes away, I don't know what we're all going to do.
1: Yeah, we've been quite worried about that. You know, we're also worried that uh, that there are some fat lizards that are not on the treadmills. We've got some lizard lizards on treadmills to get them out all uh, losing that extra holiday fat. But uh, one of my my favorites is though the money we sent to study the Panamanian frog. We want to know whether or not the male mating call of the country frog. Is different than the city frog, and I could have told you the mating call for the country frog's got to be different than the city <laughs> frog, man. But just uh, millions of dollars, millions of dollars shoveled out the door. We spend eight billion dollars a year on the National Science Foundation, where most of these egg-headed studies come from. Uh, we've been complaining about them since the 70s. William Proxmire first started making fun of studies about what you need to do to make yourself happy in the 70s. They're still doing it. Last year they did a study. That was about a half a million dollars. If you take a selfie of yourself smiling and then look at it later in the day, will that make you happy?
0: Wow. Wow. Half a million bucks. That's insane. I think one of the most interesting tricks that Congress pulled, though, was because I noticed yesterday the media was working overtime to try to tell people that it was a misunderstanding and it was fake news that – these two bills were tied together, the big $1.5 trillion spending bill and the $800 billion or $900 billion or whatever it is in, in aid. And that's not true. It actually is tied together. Somehow, in some weird twisted pretzel logic, Congress was able to tie one to the other, so you had to vote for one and the other. How did they actually do that? What trick did they pull to do that? That doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, in the Senate, they were. There was only one vote. I think in the House, they may have been separate. So there might be different rules between the bodies, but somehow we voted on one package. It was at midnight, and the package was 5,593 pages. I did the word count on it, and it would have taken 77 hours to read the whole thing with no rest breaks if Congress people had average reading rates, and that's a big assumption. It would have taken them 77 hours to read the whole thing.
0: (laughs) Jeez. But the, ba- the package you voted on in the Senate is everything of the two bills that they voted on in the House, right?
1: Yep. It was all stuck together. So $1.4 trillion in the annual budget, which usually leads to about a trillion-dollar uh, deficit, And then almost a trillion in COVID bailout money. Um, So really the total deficit for next year, if you voted for this package, you essentially voted uh, for a $2 trillion deficit for next year.
0: Now the president says he wants to go back to Congress and he wants wants them, he said remove a few of the things that he called ridiculous. I don't know exactly what those were. Maybe you can clarify those for me. And then he wanted to up the payments to $2,000 or $4,000 a couple. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think he's got it half right. Um, there's a lot of waste sent overseas, but if you look at the waste that we send overseas, it's about $30 billion, which is a lot of money, and I would send it. I would. I would not send it. I would cut it out but the cash payments that are in there are already a couple hundred billion i think it's about 200 billion so really there's not there you can't say canceling 30 billion would allow us to do another 200 billion they just don't the math doesn't add up Mm -hmm. but here's the rub of it these people in congress won't cut anything they won't cut a nickel of money they spend overseas so it's not even really a valid question if they if they're asked to do this what the Democrats would do, and most of the big government Republicans would go along with them, they'll just increase the stimulus to be a bigger stimulus. There's right. no way, in, no way in, in the world would they actually cut spending. That's, that's sort of forbidden, I mean, to ever think about cutting spending, even if it's being shoveled out the door to foreign countries.
0: Th- that's my concern. My concern is that the Democrats will see what the president is doing as a great way to put even more dollars on this. Here's where I'm conflicted, Senator Paul. As a libertarian-leaning conservative, I support the fact that the government is sending out a, a check because the government is the reason we're in this spot. However, I also don't support it because I know that the government's not going to get out of the way and let the economy open up afterwards. That's the problem. If, if you would go, oops, we screwed up. We should have never encouraged states to shut down the economy. So here's a check because we screwed all y'all. Now get back to work. That would be one yeah. thing, but that's not what they're doing. They're, the, I, the Washington Post had a big piece about how, oh, this isn't going to be enough. And Joe Biden yeah. said it's not going to be enough.
1: The more money you pass out to people, the more likely they are to keep the economy shut down. So it's a disincentive to opening. So Governor Bashir, I call him DWP, drunk with power. <laughs> uh, he, want, he, he wants $370 million. Well, if you give it to him, He'll just keep the economy closed. Ultimately, though, if the economy stays closed, he'll run out of tax money, other people's money, and then he'll have to open the economy or have no, no, no money to spend. Um, he just wants free money from, from Washington. That's what everybody wants. But the bottom line is when you compare this to 2008, 2009, we have lower unemployment than we had throughout most of President Obama's eight years. So for eight years, we were above this. And after the initial sort of bailout of the banks in 2008, we didn't keep just shoveling money out. In fact, we never sent free money. President Obama is a conservative compared to what we are having now. President Obama is the new conservative compared to Republicans in Congress because in 2008, they actually didn't juice up unemployment. They extended unemployment. It was the same amount. Because right. people were level-headed enough to say, if you double and triple how much people get in unemployment,
0: they're not going go to work. They
1: will not work until um, the market wage is more than the government wage for not working. Right. So right now, it's about it has been for the last six months about a thousand bucks a week for uh, for not working. And so if you make less than fifty thousand dollars a year, there's no reason to work. And so when you have that kind of incentive, people are not going to go back to work. And even Obama didn't do that. Yeah. Obama did, which is a better pot which is actually a better policy in a terrible time, extend unemployment from 26 weeks to, to longer to let people have a little longer to get a job. Right. Um, the other thing is, if you were going to pass out checks, it would have made a little more sense to pass them out to people who lost their job as opposed to people who have jobs. So people all have jobs. They have houses. People got a bass boat, a truck, and you're sending them a check. It's ridiculous. You have retired people who live on pensions. haven't missed a beat here why are you sending them checks yeah and then you say well we need it to juice up the economy but you tell these people to stay in their house
0: No, open the economy
1: (laughs) yeah my in-laws are told not to leave the house you know they're they're in isolation and that you send them a check they can't spend right and they already have more money than they spend and so the thing is it's it's just it's a ridiculous notion but it is not consistent with who we say we are as Republicans. Everything we criticized Obama for, we're yeah. doing now in spades, and it just—it's terrible.
0: Well, and you—you you said that in your your speech. You said, "Look, you've lost your soul." And I could, I, when you said that, I, I'm watching it on TV, and I stood up and and clapped because I was like, "I don't care if you're—I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent because I agree with you. I feel like." Um, and I know your home is in the Republican Party, but I feel like they left me a long time ago. It's it's not the party that I recognize. That's the party of free enterprise. That's the party of, you know, I I am I'm 100% standing with my leftist friends that I don't want lobbyists to be getting paydays off of bills like this. You know, it it makes no sense to me. So I I when I see the Republicans, either they're spineless because they go along with this stuff, or they're they're not forceful enough to make the the o- opposite argument of how we should be going about this to help people.
1: Well see, we're running elections now and I hope we win in Georgia, but everybody's saying we need to stop them so we don't get socialism. <laughs> Meanwhile, what you're voting for and what the most Republicans are voting for is socialism. They're voting for this massive government check program, but not of money we even have. It's not from a savings account. It's just money that's printed up, and so I say to these people, the difference between the parties is less Adam Smith versus Marx, and more Marx versus Ingalls. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's we've got two forms of socialism uh, that people are debating, but the the proponents of capitalism are about the six or seven of us who were Republicans who voted against this monstrous spending bills. So it's me and Mike Lee. I think Ted Cruz was with us. I think Rick Scott was with us, and and maybe two or three others. But um, you know. And I don't think the people up there represent, you know, the true conservatives out there. I think if you polled conservatives in our state and Republicans they'd say they're for balanced budgets, they don't think we should send this money overseas, and 60, 70, 80 percent of them would be with us. But then the people they elect and go to Washington are shoveling that money out the door to foreign countries. And uh, I don't think that that's really popular with the, with the people. But in Washington, you know, we're the minority up there. We can't seem to to get anybody to listen.
0: Uh, We're talking with Senator Rand Paul. How do we fix that, though? Because I've asked that question to you probably a million times. And I'm glad there's people like you in Washington who have this sort of sense of principle about it. But, you know, it's you know, for instance, here's just a basic thing. I, I, I posted this last night. Why can't we get a basic rule in place that says if you're dealing with a a piece of legislation that deals with an issue, have it only deal with that issue. Like what happened here is you had a piece that was, this is why I called it a $600 afterthought to lobbyist payday. You had a small amount that's going to go out to the American people an almost insultingly small amount for what kind of crisis we're in attached to this huge big old bubble of other stuff. And it's like, how is it? Getting Congress to say, "Okay, we won't do that anymore is impossible because that's how Congress people. Well, you know, some
1: of the some of the process changes, you know, how the procedure goes might be helpful, you know, like one topic and things like that. I've supported those ideas and still do. But I'm also of the opinion that until you have better people, they'll always figure a way to go around the rules, you know. And so um, it's kind of like people say, well, we want to mandate that there's a budget every year. Well, what if the budget's a bad budget? You know, I mean, I've been involved with the budget process for the last 10 years that I've been there. The Democrats have a budget that is always horrific and just runs the deficit through the roof. The Republicans will be slightly less bad, but still don't even balance in the 10th year of the budget. And then I usually put a budget forward that actually budget that balances within five years, like the constitutional amendment that we propose to balance the budget. Um, and I'll get about 15 votes on my budget when I can force a vote. But this is the problem: it's it's the people. it, it isn't just process. And uh, you actually never have the process change with the same people. And so what's important are, are the primaries, the most important election, you know, obviously for I think having my voice up there was the primary in 2010. And so what we need is when there are primaries, particularly in these open seats, for people to go all in. And so I have tried to help. I got involved uh, in one primary that had 19 Republicans in Naples. And fortunately, the guy that I supported uh, won. I got involved with another 10 person primary in Gainesville, Florida. The person I supported, she won, and so that's how you get better people. Is ultimately, yeah. and it's often too late after the primary happens because then you're going to get whatever milk toast establishment Republican that won. That's all your choice is: is he less bad or is she less bad than the Democrat? Yeah, and often that's true, you do it, but it's hard to get that excited about it.
0: Yeah, I was getting I got an argument with a Malibu liberal friend of mine, literally from Malibu, California, and. Uh, During the presidential election, and I finally was like, look, we can't get into a character test between these two men. That's not going to work. We've ceased it because of our bipartisan choice. Instead of finding those good people, we've ceased to have really good people at the very top of the political spectrum. Now it's really just about policy. And that sucks for the American people, you know. Well, I got time for about one more
1: question because it's
0: Festivus and Ah. Merry Christmas and all (laughs) that wrapped into
1: one, and I got to get going.
0: All right. So, if it's Festivus and we have one more question and you have to get going, you got to tell me what's your grievance. You had to air your uh, grievance.
1: <laughs> yeah. Here, here's, here's the problem with, you know, I got a lot of problems with these people in Washington. I got so, I got I got so many grievances, I can't even distill them into one. But I guess if I had to list one grievance, it would be that these people are more concerned with sending money overseas to foreign countries that yeah. they never seem to pay attention to America. It's one of the things I liked about Donald Trump. Uh, that he actually cared about trying to keep some of that money here at home. I'm going to continue to fight uh, every day to make sure that we keep the money here at home, that we fix our problems at home, and that ours, you know, that it should be America first. So we'll keep fighting,
0: but uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. You too, Senator Paul. Merry Christmas. Thanks for your time. Thanks. All right. A short podcast, but a sweet one. Senator Rand Paul the other night uh, giving an impassioned speech on the Senate floor um saying look you guys have lost your soul if you vote for this monstrosity um here's the thing i i like i told senator paul i'm a little bit conflicted about the checks i think that the government put you in this position they in a way uh cost you your business cost you your job and if you have lost those things then in a way the government owes you that restitution because they're the ones that took it away from you on the other hand paul is absolutely right That uh, handing out checks disincentivizes work. Now, I don't think that's the case with a one time stimulus check if the government gets out of the way and then says, go back to work and opens up the economy. Okay. I don't know about you, but if you were behind on, if I was behind on my bills and I got enough to catch up, that's not going to disincentivize me to go back to work if the economy is going to open back up if i know that that assistance is not going to continue i just need to pay these bills and get back to work and i was in this spot not because i did something lazy but because the government did something to me now the other side of that though and this is where i think rand paul is absolutely right is that it's the states that shut the economy down the federal government gave guidelines that they shouldn't have given but the states have been the these despotic ten pot as the as as rand paul referred to them gov- governors uh, of states like Andy Bashir have shut down their economies, they should be the ones to bear the brunt of that decision. They should be the ones trying to convince their own legislatures to send out whatever stimulus checks they think. They're the ones that created that hole. They should be the ones that have to dig out of it. Otherwise, we just have this ongoing situation that we have right now where every few months the government sends out a bunch of checks that we don't have the money to pay for. And then uh, the key, these governors keep these economies closed because they think $2,000 or $600 is going to get you through the next three months, which is a bunch of boom malarkey, right? So anyway, it's obviously a bad situation, and the government is making it worse. Uh, big surprise there, right? All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We've got much more coming this week. Uh, Congressman Massey is going to be on as well, and some fun stuff coming up next week after Christmas. Uh, but I just wanted to get this up and out there for you. So, and we may actually drop another podcast actually today, uh, since, uh, well, what is today? Today is the day before Christmas Eve. So I'm trying to decide whether I want to drop the Massey podcast today as a second one today or drop it on the day after Christmas. It just depends because it may be news timely and I may have to do that. So anyway, I know I'm talking about today and you may be listening to this in two weeks. (laughs) It doesn't matter because it's already January and we're in 2021. Whatever. Hey, listen, thanks for listening. I am Leland Conway. I appreciate our sponsor. Uh, It it is uh, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. I love these guys. I've worked with them for years. They did our kitchen when we lived in Crestwood. We enjoyed that beautiful kitchen for years and then we sold the house. And I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure that how beautiful that kitchen was helped the house sell in less than a day. Um... It really makes a difference. Your kitchen is the heart of your home, and you spend a lot of time there, especially if you're like me and you like to cook um, and you like to entertain. And uh, they just made our kitchen f- spectacular, and we enjoyed every minute of it that we had it, including also they did our master bathroom. So I wouldn't be talking about them if I hadn't have seen their work and experienced their work and their work ethic, and it's tremendous. Um, so if you're thinking about upgrading your kitchen or you know something like that, I want you to go see them at 12... Um, at their showroom at 6200 Hit Lane, it's right on the border of Louisville, uh, excuse me, of Louisville and Odom County. And just walk in there and say hi to their three um, designers, Michelle, Kelly, and George, and they'll help you decide what's right for you. Now, if you're a contractor or a do-it-yourselfer, they've got really high-quality cabinets already in stock that you can literally go and take with you. And uh, these are good, high-quality cabinets that are uh, very affordable. Whatever type of countertop surface you're looking for, they've got that as well. Um, they're just going to take good care of you. 6200 Hit Lane. You can also uh, stop. Uh, you can stop by. You can also give them a call at 502-930-3304, and you can uh, you can actually go to their website as well, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops.com. So appreciate them so much. Also appreciate my co-executive producer, Cameron Mills. Uh, JP Web Design and uh, Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky. All right. Hey, this is a free download. Share it with your friends. It's on iHeartRadio's app. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Play. Download this thing, man. Put it on your phone. It'll send you new episodes to your phone when they when they show up. You can carry me around in your pocket. Yes. So do that and share it with your friends. Thanks to all the thousands of you that are downloading this every single week. We love you and uh, listen for me on the radio WGTK in Louisville every single day. Commentaries airing and um, every single weekend you'll hear episodes of this podcast on Saturdays at uh, one PM and on Sundays at eleven AM. So check it out right there. I'm Leland Conway. Thanks for listening. This is the Disruption Club.